0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Worthy are you, Father. Now, Lord, let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let the knowledge of your word and its power and ability work in our spirit, man, tonight, so that our physical bodies can be affected by. By your healing power. Let every individual standing for healing in their body and health tonight receive revelation from your word and accept it and walk in it so that the manifestation of healing will take place in their life. We thank you, Father, that we have not just listening ears but a hearing heart. The good soil of the seed of divine health is being planted in our hearts so that in the days ahead, no matter what plagues come upon the earth, no matter what calamity that affects human health happens in our midst, we will stand above it all, healed and healthy by your life and power in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone says? Praise God. We'll be seated for just a few moments while we teach the word. If you will, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's what we usually go when we do have communion services. I wanted to start there we Teaching on the subject of healing or divine health, whatever, whatever, however you want to describe it. Now let me encourage you: if you are standing in faith, believing God, for a manifestation of healing in your body. Maybe you've suffered with some type of physical ailment for many years. Doesn't matter how long it's been. Many years. Remember the woman that was healed. Jesus, she was bowed over in the temple, bent over for eight. Hey, could you imagine being bent over like that for 18 years? Well, she was healed, amen. Uh, the guy at the miracle pool, uh, you know, he had been a long time in that case, the Bible says. But that didn't stop the healing power of God from getting to him. So you've got to understand just because you've been conditioned by a sickness or disease, the Word of God could break down that conditioning. In order to get his healing power to you, I heard a story. Y'all have heard of uh, uh, the Russian scientist Pavlov? Pavlov's dog, where they ring the bell and the dog salivates. He did studies with all kinds of animals and and fish, and and he had a uh, he had a pike, which is a type of fish that's a you know really aggressive, got some big teeth in its mouth, and you know and pike they love a certain kind of minnow. Uh, that I guess swims in the same lake in that area in which he lived. So he put a pike in this aquarium, and he put that minnow in that aquarium uh, that that pike loves, but he put a glass partition in between the two. And that, that pike, for he said almost several months, that pike would see that minnow and boom, run right up against that glass. And boom, right, right, just run right up against that glass. And boom, run right, right up against that glass. And he did it over and over till finally he just quit running up against that glass. Well, when he co- quit running up against that glass, that Pavlov took that glass out of the aquarium. And he said that that minnow could swim right in the whiskers of that pike. Right in the mouth of that, and that, that pike would never move, would never turn, would, would, never, would never do anything. Because it had been conditioned through failure not to respond to that which it needed, that which it wanted. You know, the enemy does the same thing especially if you have to take medication every day, if you take treatment every day, if, you, if you've got to do something in your life in order to, stay, to sustain a life or life in you, if you've got to do that, then it's kind of like the enemy doing the same thing to you, day after day after day after day. But the good news is Jesus came and destroyed the glass. He took it out of the tank, amen. I came here to tell you that tonight. He took the glass out of the tank. So when you begin to understand these truths about healing, it's so simple. Just accept them. And it's easy to accept them just with your own words, your own heart. Heavenly Father, I accept that. I believe that. I receive that. I stand on that. I worship you for that, Lord. And if you will do that, it will establish something in you that will cause it to manifest. Because here's the thing. Everyone's got it by faith. When we got saved, we got the package. Everybody say the package. Everybody's got it by faith, but we need the manifestation of that which God has promised to manifest in our lives as the proof of what we received. How many are with me? You say, what do you mean? Well, if you believe you receive, then you shall have it. Many of you need to get to the place where you shall have it. The shall of your faith needs to happen now. How many would agree? Now, before we read in Corinthians, let me just say this. We see healing in the Bible, In the Old Testament, and we also see it in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, healing was under the Old Covenant. You say, now now, what do you mean by that? Well, remember people would cry out, Jesus, thou son of David. Uh, 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 We just mentioned the woman who was bowed over. Uh, Jesus made the statement, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham... Be healed who has suffered this for many. He was literally operating in the Abrahamic covenant, in the in, in David's messianic covenant. He was operating in the covenants of the Old Testament, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now I want you to understand that, and I want you to know that because really, when it comes to healing, healing should not be difficult. It should be just simple as it can be. Uh, when was it? Last night or last night or night before last? I've been looking at things on the Internet about revival, about moves of God. There used to be a lady that I've heard of. I never was in any of her meetings, but I I had heard of her and knew that her ministry was legitimate. And she would sing, and people would get healed. But she wouldn't sing songs like like we just sang. She wouldn't sing those kind of songs. She would sing by the Spirit. God is healing your liver. God is healing your back. God is healing. And people would just start getting healed just all over just like that. Well, that shows us that God, even in our dispensation, does things by His mercy and by His compassion in order to get His healing power to us. He even was doing that in Jesus' day. Even though Jesus was operating in healing ministry, there was still a miracle pool in Jerusalem in which the water would be stirred from time to time where people would get into that miracle pool and get healed. We ought to understand God's doing everything He can do to get us healed. What we have to do is learn to cooperate with that. Now, we are in a different covenant. I'm going to show you that in just a minute, how that operates and how that works. But when we understand that and we understand that healing belongs to us. Everybody say that. Healing belongs to us. Say it again. Healing belongs to us. Now, make it personal. Say, healing belongs to me. Say it again. Healing belongs to me. Now, say it like this. Healing is mine. Say, healing is mine. Say, healing is mine in Jesus' name. See, this is conditioning you to help get you to receive that, what you need from God. Now, in the, in, the, in the communion, what do we call it? The institution of communion. No, we call it the ordinance of communion. There we go. Let me read the scripture. The apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians, he's making some correction to some of the stuff that they were doing. He says, For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus. Now everybody say the Lord Jesus. Now that's an important point because it all has to be focused on Him. You say why? He was the healer. He is the healer. Now these things are so simple. Everybody say, He was the healer. He is the healer. Now, now most of Christianity will agree, He was the healer. But when it comes to he is the healer, they'll fight against that. But I want you to know, he's never any less than anything he was. He's more than what he was. Now keep that in mind. The Lord Jesus, uh, 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 the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread when he had given thanks. Now notice this very carefully. He did what? He break it. He break it. And said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. After it's up saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now what did he do with his blood? He spilled it or he shed it and he offered it. Everybody say, he shed it. He offered it. Actually, if we were studying the blood right now, we could show you seven ways in which he shed his blood, beginning in the garden when he began to pray and great drops of blood began to drop off of his head, to all of the beatings that he took, to the crown of thorns, to the stripes upon his back, to the nails in his hand, the nails in his feet, until the time he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was shedding his blood, shedding his blood, shedding his blood, shedding his blood. Seven different times it talks about him shedding his blood. And then one time, oh, glory to God, it talks about him entering into the holiest of all, not the type that was on the earth, we'll see that in a minute, but the real holy of holies in heaven itself to pour upon the mercy seat, the place where blood was required, not the blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood. Oh, thank God he did. So everybody say broken body, shed blood, offered blood. Say that again. Broken body, shed blood, offered blood. Now, where does the blood come from? It comes from or out of the body. Now, are you with me? This, this is so simple, but it's going to help some of you get healed. It says, for as often, as often as you drink this, eat this eat this bread and drink this cup, you do what? You do show forth the Lord's death till, his, till he comes. Now, listen. His death, that's why it says, the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Now, when he died upon the cross, he began to assume sickness and disease. Amen? You say, what do you mean to assume it? To bring it upon himself. Isaiah 53 paints the picture. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We were healed, it says. Everybody say, We were, and we are. So, as that Roman lictor began to take the, the, the cat of nine tails and begin to reach back and stripe the backs of Jesus, begin to whip him with every lash, he began to assume cancer, he began to assume diabetes, heart problems, arthritis, you name whatever disease, whatever malady, whatever problem, he began to do what? He began to take that upon himself. Amen. You say, well, what do you mean by it? The symptoms, whatever it was of that disease began to come upon him. He became, now listen to this. He became the magnet, now not just the spiritual, but the physical magnet of every disease that hampers, harms, hurts, or kills mankind. Can you imagine a God that loved you so much? Someone so precious that never even knew sin, he that knew no sin. He that knew no disease, he that knew no sickness, he was pure. He was There was nothing that you could find that was flawed about him. And he began to take upon himself all of this sickness, all of this disease. He felt the pain of cancer. He felt the pain of diabetes. He felt the pain of arthritis. He felt all of that. He felt that. He sensed that. It was in him. It was on him. And he took it. You say, why? Because it was on us. Now notice what it says again. You do what? You do show forth the Lord's death till he come. And what did he do? Up on the cross, once he had taken. That's why I believe part of the word, it is finished. Everybody say, it is finished. They talk about, well, the old covenant was finished. Well, I can show you scripturally that the old covenant was not finished. You say, why? Well, when he rose from the dead and appeared to Mary Magdalene, he said, don't touch me. If the old covenant had been done away with, then she could have reached out and touched him. But he had not offered his blood. He himself said, I'm not yet ascended to my father. So we know it wasn't the old covenant that ended when he said, It is finished. What was finished is the acclamation of all of the sin, all of the iniquity, all of the unrighteousness, and all of the sickness and disease of humanity. He says, It's finished. I've got it all. Can you imagine that? I've got it all. I've got all the sin. I've got all the iniquity. I've got every kind of cancer brain cancer, lung cancer, bone cancer, blood cancer. I've got every kind of diabetes. One, two, three, five, twelve. Amen. I've got every kind of arthritis. I've got f- the flu. I've got colds. I've got you name it. I've got pneumonia. I've got the mumps. I've got the ch- I've got every disease. I've got AIDS. Amen. And with it upon him, what did he do? He used the weapon of our adversary, which is death, to separate it from us. See, he died with that sickness and disease upon him to separate it from us. Then he rose from the dead to impart healing to us so that we could be healed in our bodies by anything the enemy has brought upon this earth to disease, harm, or hurt humanity. Woo, somebody ought to get excited about that. But now notice, wherefore, whosoever shall eat of the bread, drink of the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty. Now notice this, of what? The body, we just talked about the body, which is what? The bread and the blood. So that which was broken and that which was shed. Amen. You're going to be what? You're going to be guilty of the body and the blood. Now, what are you guilty of? Now, see that right there. If I'm guilty, what am I guilty? You are guilty of a non-recognition of the significance of what that means. You are looking at a picture of what God has done for you. You're even looking behind the scenes at what we would even call an x-ray in the spirit realm, seeing the acclamation of all the disease, all of the pain, all of the infirmity, of everything that anything that could be put upon humanity, and you're not seeing it destroyed by the work of your Savior. You're guilty of that. Actually, we could say it like this. You're guilty of unbelief. You're guilty of unbelief. It says, but let a man or a woman examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Now notice this, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, we can can look at that in two different ways. It's not only how you treat the body of Christ. Let me say that again. That's why you should never talk about your neighbors. That's why you should walk in love toward everybody. That's why you should strive for unity, stay away from division. You say, why? You're correctly discerning the Lord's body. But the second part of that is understanding what He took up on His body to free us from. Amen? Because if you don't have an understanding that it was upon his body. Why was Jesus, why why did God need a human body? Everybody say identification. Because God had to make a point of contact of identification with humanity. He couldn't appear in the form of a cloud. He could not send an angel. He could not do it any other way but getting into a human body and appearing upon the earth in flesh. In so doing, he identified with us. He had arms. He had legs. He had an intestinal system, a cardiovascular system. He had all of that in him. God knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to be in pain. And sometimes in pain we can't even comprehend. Amen. And when you do not look upon the Lord Jesus Christ, when you look upon him, and listen, that's why he cannot be a religious Jesus. Let me say that again. That's why he cannot be a religious Jesus. The very bedrock of our existence in the new creation reality is that we recognize Jesus as our substitute and recognize and realize it cannot be a, 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 a religious Jesus. It must be the Jesus that you have a personal, intimate relationship with. For he is the conduit that brings that from God, which humanity needs it, and releases it unto humanity, and he is the conduit that imparts faith, that brings it up to God, that empowers God to release it. Ooh. I know. Now, this is not the milk. This is the meat. Everybody say the meat. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this cause... Many are weak and sickly in the world. That's not what it says. It says many are weak and sickly among you. That's in the church. The church should not need healing. You say why? Because the body of Christ is a healed body. It must be discerned. Let me say that again. When we don't recognize our place in the body. When you got born again you were put into the body of Christ. You became part not a member of the body of Christ you became literally an organic part of the body of Christ. Functioning the way God had created you to function within that body. When we say a member you could be a member of Ducks Unlimited. You could be a member of Galveston Girls Softball League. Amen. You could be a member of the Elks Club or the whatever. That does not make you one with the other people that are there. But being in the body of Christ makes you one with everybody else that is in the body with you. And when it makes you one with everybody else, oh man, should I say that, Lord? Lord. When it makes you one with everybody else that you're with in the body, you have a responsibility toward your brothers and sisters. And when we begin to realize that, we begin to recognize you mean, I, I I just want to come to church, Pastor. I just, I really don't want any more responsibility in my life. I like to come, and I like to hear the Word, and I like to hear the praise and worship, and, I, and it sounds really good, and sometimes I leave here feeling really good, and so I really, you know, don't want any more responsibility in my life. Well, what if your physical body reacted like that, each one of the members reacting to the other members of your physical body your heart saying your lungs saying your liver saying your kidneys saying well i like you know i like when we eat fried chicken and i like when we have ice cream at night but as far as you know i don't want any responsibility toward the heart or toward the liver or toward the kidney i just like being in the body (laughs) well your body would be a mess because every part of your body needs the other part to function correctly. Your heart needs your liver, needs your kidneys, needs your needs your stomach, needs your intestines, needs your brain, needs your muscles, needs your bone, needs your blood. It's interdependent upon itself in order to function. It's interdependent upon itself in order to function, but it's drawing. Who's the head? Oh, if you could just get, you'd get healed instantly if you could get that. Who's the head? Jesus is the head. So just think. If you had this physical body in which all of your organs were cooperating properly with the rest of it, but your head was not a natural head, it was a supernatural head. And it could impart supernatural stuff into your body. And it could impart supernatural. Your heart says, i got a little problem. And your head says, that's all right, I've already got a provision for that. Boom, and your heart is healed. And your blood sugar says, well, I'm a little high. And your head says, that's okay, I've got supernatural provision. And boom, your blood sugar cures up. Amen. And your and your skin starts messing up a little bit, and your body and your head says, "That's okay. I made provision for that." And boom, automatically, your skin clears up. Well, that's not a fantasy. That's reality. Jesus is the head of the body. Amen. Healing's in the head. Healing's in the body. Prosperity's in the head. Prosperity's a, when you begin to realize these things are covenant truths. Yes. Amen. Now, now go to Hebrews eight. How's my time? I'm doing all right. Is this helping anybody? I ain't going that direction. I'll go this direction. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter eight. Now of the things, verse one, which we have spoken, this is the sum. So, so Paul is saying this. He said, "I'm gonna sum it up." I say, "Sum it up." Now notice what he says. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, remember the name of the book. I mean, remember the name of the book? It's Hebrews. So there is a Jewish bend toward this book. So Paul, I believe, I believe Paul wrote this. He might have wrote it through Timothy or Titus, but I believe Paul is the one who God breathed on to give the information in the book of, uh, of Hebrews. So he automatically assumes that if I'm writing this to Christians who are of the Jewish faith who have come out of Judaism, they're going to have an understanding of the priesthood. Now the priesthood, the basic understanding of the priesthood was this. They stood between God and man. They offered sacrifice on behalf of others. Now they themselves really never did anything that would produce anything. They just had to adhere to a law given to them in order to enter into the Holy of Holies and give sacrifice unto God, and all of those were atoning. Everybody say atoning. At- atoning. Listen, be very careful when anybody ever mentions the new covenant as the atonement. Did you hear what I just said? You say, well, I hear people, they say that all the time. They talk about the atonement. No, we don't have an atonement in the new covenant. We have redemption. Redemption. Our sins are not covered over. Our sins are remitted Dissolved, destroyed, removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that good news? Now notice, he assumes, I understand, that the priest in the ministry is the go-between. Everybody say the go-between. A minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Now he pulls back the veil of the Spirit. And he says, now in heaven, it is set up just like it was on the earth. When Moses was on the earth, they pitched the tabernacle. And in that tabernacle was the functions of the priest or the functions of the high priest. Aaron being the first. Amen. How many remember that? It says, for every high priest is ordained... To offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So they're talking about Jesus. Now remember, he's the risen son of God, but he's still in the body of what? These, these truths, if you get them, they will, they will radically change your thinking. He is in the body of what? A man, it's a glorified body, but it's a body that still bears the marks of the covenant. So in, oh my goodness, in the true tabernacle pitched by the Lord is a man. Now he was a man God on earth, he's a God man now are you with me but we still church we still got a man in the office and if there was some way to travel to planet heaven you could walk around all day and never never see anything until you came up to the man Because he is not vaporized into the spirit realm. He's still in the natural realm. He still has a flesh and bone body and stands where? In the holy of holies. For who? (laughs) 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 For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. So he's saying, look, there's no need for him on earth. You've got your priesthood. And they offer gifts according to the law. Are you with me? It says, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern, showed thee in the mount. Now remember, that's, that's the mount he was on. He's up on that mount. There's, there's fire and lightning and the glory of God. So God takes him up there and he said, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something. Now I want you to see something. This is from heaven. In heaven there is this tabernacle. In that tabernacle there are different things. There are obviously thrones. The throne of God, the throne of Jesus. He sits on the right hand. Oh, I wish I could take off on that. You say, why? Because we're seated with him. There is an altar called the mercy seat. In the, down in the uh, on the earthly tabernacle, there were the things in the tabernacle, the uh, Aaron's rod that budded, uh, the, the, the pot of manna. Amen. Those all have significant things. But he's saying Moses built it not by an idea he had in his mind. He built it by a pattern I showed him. And it was a pattern first established in heaven and given to the earth so that the earth for a period of time might have had access to God, a nation would have access to God through a bleeding sacrifice of an animal and a priest. Are you with me? Now notice. But now, oh, I like those but nails. But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry. Now this is speaking of Jesus. Jesus has obtained A more excellent, a better, a more extravagant, a more powerful ministry by how much also he is the mediator, he is the attorney, he is the advocate, he is the lawyer of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Everybody say better. Say better. Now, under that covenant, let me close with this and we'll receive communion. Under that covenant, the Bible talks about God bringing them out of Egypt and there wasn't a feeble one among them. Now, could you imagine how many feeble people would be in a nation of almost 2 million people who had been in slavery for almost 400 years, for over 400 years? Not only that, they had been being tortured for about the past 10 or 11 years that this went on they were being tortured and were being uh, uh less and less uh, uh, uh equipment less and less uh material to make the bricks they were listen they were they were under oppression great oppression working the taskmasters were whipping their backs they were hurting physically in pain sick in pain wounded in pain and when he said listen I want you to take a lamb and I want you to take it at this certain time and I want you to do something to that lamb. I want you to, now this has to be a spotless lamb. This has to be like the best you've got, the very best, not second best. This has to be the very best. And I want you, all the other things he told to do about cooking it and, and you know, eat all, eat everything, eat the whole lamb. Everybody say eat the whole lamb. But I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to put it on the doorpost of your home, and I want you to get into your house because tonight the death angel is coming over Egypt, and that night the death angel came over Egypt. Now listen, this is why you got to live on the right side of the glory, and the glory of God showed up, and when the glory of God showed up, those that were under the blood came out healed. And those that were not the firstborn of every child died. Those that were under the blood were given gold, were given jewels, were blessed with all kinds of material things. And as they gathered their stuff and started their journey, they came out of the world. They came out out of Egypt. They came out healed by the power of Almighty God. Amen? Now, we have a better covenant We have a better covenant based on better promises. Come on church. The problem we have so many times. Man, I better not say that, I'll be preaching another hour. The problem we have so many times is we let the testimony of that which was going on in us physically usurp the testimony of the covenant that we have. And we give more attention to what our bodies tell us, what the doctor tells us, what the pharmacist tells us, what the, what the insurance company tells us, what the specialist tells us. We give more attention to that. Let me say it like this. We have more faith in that than we do in God's Word. Because exposure produces Faith, And the more you expose yourself, I, I love a testimony I heard the other day, and, and I've actually heard it several times, a, a, a minister that used to uh, minister several years back, Norval Hayes. How many remember Norval Hayes? It's in his ministry, and a, a lady came, school teacher, and she had, in, in all four corners of her liver, she had a cancer This is one of the fastest growing types of cancer that a person could have. Now, he had ministered to people for years with the laying on of hands and the gifts of the Spirit. But this one, he knew that the Lord wanted to do something powerful and special that would produce a testimony. So he said, if you will do what I tell her. Now, the great thing about this testimony is this woman was a schoolteacher. And schoolteachers tend to follow the rules. He said, now, if you will do what I tell you to do, He said, I guarantee you, you will be healed. He said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to get into the Word of God and find every healing scripture. And every night, I want you to walk around your table. It was two hours every night, 7,000 steps. Approximately 7,000 steps. Every night, she would walk around her table, and she would worship God, and she would thank, thank Him for her healing. And worship God and thank Him for healing. And worship God and thank Him for healing. And worship God and thank Him for healing. Now, this went on for eight months with nothing happening. Nothing happened for eight months. She got worse and got weaker. Sometimes she'd have to just stop and rest. But she kept doing it. And after eight months, she said this. I began to notice a change in my body. She said, I begin to get stronger. She said, into the ninth month... I noticed that my strength had returned. Into the 10th month, she went to the doctor and they couldn't find any cancer in her body at all. Now what she did was, is she recognized the better covenant based on a better promise would work for whosoever would call upon his name. She recognized that her help was connected to her connection to God through Jesus Christ, who was her high priest, who was bringing that which is of God into her life by her adherence to it. Now, let me close with this. The problem with a lot of people is they're just not desperate enough. They look for an easy answer and an easy fix. Amen? Well, Pastor, I just want Brother So-and-So to lay hands on me. Well, man, I hope it happens for you. I really do. I trust God with you for it to happen. I, I got actually got a testimony on my phone today. Uh, when was it? Not this week, but last week. The Lord gave me a, a word of knowledge. Do you all remember that for somebody who had a... Uh, a, a Pain in their mouth. Was it pain in their mouth? Well, this guy, he came up. We laid hands upon him who, was, who had uh, wisdom teeth that had become impacted and infected and been in horrible pain. Well, we laid hands on him and prayed for him. Did you know he was instantly healed? He said, the the, the text said, walked out of the building, healed, hadn't had any pain since. He says, now we're going to have to go deal with the, with the wisdom teeth and get done what's supposed to be done, but he's had no pain whatsoever, no pain at all. Pain was gone. But the person that was healed got saved about four weeks ago. Well, I thank God he got saved. Amen. You say what? Well, God, he's a baby. He's a baby. God takes care of his babies. Amen. But when it comes to people who begin to become schooled in the Word of God, begin to understand the body of Christ. Begin to discern that they've got a better covenant based on better promises. Begin to realize that, hey, man, I, 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 there's an organic connection in my life. I'm not connection, connected to the world, the flesh, and the devil anymore. I'm connected to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the high priest that sits in the Holy of holies itself in heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father, who who did not get healing, who is healing. I have him. I am in Christ. So healing is not something I'm trying to get. Healed is something that I am. So what I'm doing is I'm doing the work necessary to bring healing from that which is in the spirit realm into my body for it to manifest. Now, don't wait till your want to mm, is based on life and death. You say, what do you mean? Don't get to the point where you say, well, I guess I have to do this or I'm going to die. You may be too late. Begin now. That's why every day I encourage people, you need to be confessing healing scriptures, standing on the Word of God, rejoicing and thanking God, glorifying God. I was listening to that lady that was singing those those healing things. So I just begin to sing with her. My liver's healed. My kidney's healed. My heart is healed. I just started singing with her. I had my iPad. I was sitting up in bed with my two weenie dogs and my Labrador. They were looking at me like, what are you doing? I was singing my healing, amen. Now, I'd already confess healing scriptures all day long. I pray for the sick when I get opportunity. I preach on healing. I mean, I'm literally involved in it all the time. But listen, I still have to walk by faith in order to live and maintain divine health in my body. Amen. Let your want to rise to the level where you make the decision I am going to get this. This is mine. It belongs to me. I am not going to live sick and infirmed the rest of my life. I am the healed of God. I'm going to live healed. And when I die, I'm going to lie down and allow my spirit to go to heaven without sickness or disease in my body. I am going to live because the Bible says, with long life, He satisfies me and shows me His salvation. And I'll tell you, before this is over, I'm going to teach you on longevity. Amen. That's why we've got Papa around, because of longevity. He's outlived all his doctors. (laughs) Amen. With long life, everybody say with long life, he satisfies me and shows me his salvation. You know, we haven't seen a lot of that in the church. We haven't seen a lot of premature death. I've been in churches where, man, people in their 40s and 50s and You know, I mean, people here, they're at least knocking 70, getting into 80. We believe in God for some 90s and some 100s. Amen. You say, why? Because that's the will of God for long life. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Everybody say this out loud. Thank you, Father. I am the healed of God. I thank you for Jesus. He is my high priest. He is the head. Healing's in the head. I'm part of the body. So healing's in the body. Sickness and disease, you have no place in me. In the name of Jesus, I declare myself from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, the healed, the healed of Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Gentlemen, you can come and get the communion. Communion implements, we'll receive that. Go back to You know, I was digging around studying on this. God gave Abraham a promise in Genesis chapter 12, said, I'll bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you. Then he ended up in a battle where some wicked kings came and took his nephew and took a lot of stuff. And he went out and battled against them. And coming back from that battle, he ran into Melchizedek. Who the, you know I've heard some teaching on it but the Bible's not really clear all we know that he was a priest of God some people say he might have been the pre-incarnate Christ I don't know he's just yeah, I've got one Bob thank you he's a he was a very unique individual anyway in coming out in coming out he met Abraham and he brought what he brought bread and wine which is what Does anybody know that's communion That's communion right there. He brought bread and wine. He brought communion. And the Bible says, Abraham gave him a tithe, 10%. Now, this is what it said. God, Abraham said, excuse me, Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abram of God. Then he said this, blessed be the God of Abraham, or the God of Abram. Now, notice he both blessed Abraham and blessed God. Now that's under the Old Covenant. Now you get in further in the Old Covenant and you begin to read Levitical law when it comes to tithing and and tithing kept the blessing on you but not tithing brought a curse. That's why it says in Malachi, why have you robbed me? You're cursed with a curse, even this whole nation. But now we've left that covenant And we're in a better covenant based on better promises, which is what? We're back down to the you're blessed and God's blessed. You say, what point are you trying to make? These covenants that have been on the earth for all these years help the human family on the earth interact with God's ability and power so that the blessing of God could be upon us. Everybody say, upon me. Uh, You know, I, I don't. I've really fought. thank you, Bobby, connecting money to healing. I know I'm going to have to do it one of these days. But one of the best ways to stay healed is to tithe. I was listening to Brother Hagan teach the other day, and he was in a meeting, this was way back in the 50s, and a man, some of you have heard the story, a man, he, they said he had an ulcer in his stomach that was approaching a cancerous state that looked like a big yellow jacket's nest. You ever heard that story? Just had a, He said the, the x-ray of it is it one of the most alarming things he ever saw. Man was a businessman in the church. He came to the meetings, was listening to the teaching on faith, came up with the healing line. When he came up with the healing line, the Lord gave Brother Hagin a word of knowledge. And he said, he said, I see you. Out on your sleeping porch. Back in those days, they'd build a sleeping porch out on the house. How I many you know what that screened-in porch people would sleep on? Wintertime sometime. I mean, the, the spring and, and fall sometime you could uh, lay out there when those fresh norther's would blow, be real nice. and come. He said, and you're wrestling with God, wrestling with God, wrestling with God, wrestling with God. And he said, here's your problem. He says, you're a businessman, but you've never tithed to the church. And you were wrestling with that the other night. Because God's conviction was upon you. You've never supported the work of God. And the the guy, he said, he began to cry. He said, he laid hands on him, and he was instantly healed. Now, he said the controversy came in the church where there were others standing in the line that many of the people knew in the church, those people don't tie; They even talk against it. And they got healed. And so the deal was, why didn't God correct all of those In their tithing, why did he heal them and make that other guy start tithing? Isn't that interesting? Now, I like his answer. God is God. And he can do what he wants to. Amen? Amen. But I have found this out two times, mightily impressed by two different men. One, Dr. Oral Roberts, who looked at me. I'm driving him up to the Intercontinental Airport. Looked over at me, took his left hand and grabbed my right arm and just started squeezing. And started saying this. Rusty, one dime out of every dollar. One dime out of every dollar. You want to be healed? One dime out of every dollar. You want to prosper? One dime out of every dollar. That belongs to God, not to you. Well, I was already tithing, But he was impressing something on me. Walking into a green room. How many know what a green room is? They have ministers or entertainers or whatever they do. Walking into it, been in a camp meeting with Brother Kenneth Copeland. And there was all kinds of ministers in there. They were talking in the corner over here. He's standing over there by himself with his arms crossed. So I thought, well, I'll go talk to him. So I walk up to him. He turns around lays his Bible on a counter and grabs me by the lapels of my coat and pulls me to him, not up, he's short, shorter than me. Pulls me to him and says this, Rusty, if you tithe, there's nothing that God won't do for you. But if you don't tithe, there's nothing he can do for you. Amen. Now you say, now why? You say you're just trying to get our money again. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Not discerning the body of Christ. The most simplest explanation I've ever heard of this, almost kind of comical. The body of Christ exists. Jesus walks on the earth today as the church. As the church. And He likes money in His pocket. so he can do what he wants to do. He does not spend it foolishly. He does not invest it into the world system, but he uses it to build the kingdom of God on the earth so that his children can enjoy the kingdom of heaven on earth. I better get off of that. I'll make people mad, get myself in trouble. But I'm going to have to do it one night. We'll teach on it. It'll help you. Just obey God. Everybody say obey God. Now real quick, back to 1 Corinthians 11. Let's read the scripture where we receive communion. How would we get off on that? It's good anyway. Amen. Everybody take the bread in your hand. Speaking of Jesus at what they call the last supper. Now notice, isn't this powerful? When he had given thanks. Now, what did he have to be thankful for? He's fixing to be beat beyond recognition and then spiritually accumulate everything that's wrong with us. What did he have to be thankful for? Not for what was, but for what was going to be. Say, what I have to be thankful for? Well, maybe you don't have anything to be thankful for what is, but you can be thankful for what's going to be because your God loves you. Amen? He said, take... Eat, this is my body, which was broken. Break the bread. For you, do this in remembrance of me, that he was bruised, that he was broken, that he was tortured, that he was crucified, but he did it for you and me. Receive of the bread. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had subbed, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. What did we just read? It is a better covenant based on better promises. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Now say this, Heavenly Father, I remember. Your son Jesus, how his blood was spilled and shed and offered for me. As I receive of the symbolic cup, thank you, Father, working in me by the blood, by the blood of Jesus is healing power in my body. I believe I receive it. In Jesus' name, I shall have it. Now receive of the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Oh, how we glorify your name. How we exalt you, Lord Jesus, for you are worthy of our praise. How we thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your great compassion upon us. That we would have a covenant so complete, that we would have a covenant so encompassing that you would place us within the very body of your own son. He being the head in heaven, we being the body on earth. But you would organically connect us through the word of God and the blood that was shed. So that what is in the head flows in the body, flows into our livers, flows into our kidneys flows into our hearts, into our backs and our vertebrae, flows into our blood, flows into our pancreas, flows into every b- part of our body, bringing life, life, Zoe, life. You said the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells and abides in us and it quickens. Thank you for the quickening power of your Spirit. Even now, physically touching, human bodies, bringing health and healing in Jesus' name. How many agree? Say, I agree. Say, I'm healed. Say, I'm the healed of God. Say, I'm the healed of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now one more time, shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's receive our offering real quick, then we can go back and have a piece of cake. Hallelujah. I say I like cake this offering tonight is for the church in Antioch, Turkey now it's, there's another name of that city, What's do you remember it starts with an M, I can't pronounce it it's M and a bunch of letters sideways and backwards <laughs> one of those kind of languages, amen but it is Antioch and what's, the brother's name is Mills, is it, is it Mills y'all remember, I think it's Mills and uh There's some some pictures. I'll get some pictures maybe the next time, next week or something. I'll show it to you. Beautiful building they've got. Beautiful cafe in the front. But oh, in the back where all those precious people gather. Can you imagine how awesome that is? Right in the middle of uh, of one of the greatest Muslim strongholds in the world, there's a church, a Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, faith-believing church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just think, here in just a few days, they're going to own it outright. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. That's why we gave twenty-five thousand dollars. You say, "Why? I'm not looking for a loan." Amen. I said, "I'm not looking for a loan. I'm looking for the provision of God. I hadn't waited this long for a loan." Amen. So let's hold up our office. Say, "Heavenly Father, now we sow to purchase this building in Antioch, historically significant. We thank you for the opportunity." But more than that, spiritually strategic, placed right where the Muslim religion has a stronghold, a place of your mercy, a place of your grace. We surround them tonight with faith and love. We say no evil befalls them. No plague comes now their dwelling place. No terrorism. Let revival break out in an unprecedented way. Visit Antioch again. Visit Antioch again. Just like in the book of Acts. Visit again that city with your mercy, with your grace. Thank you, Father, for our building, for cash, money coming in, the windfall that we need. We remove every distraction, every hindrance. We say construction begins now. We believe we receive it. We shall have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, you can receive the offering. Praise the Lord. Don't forget we have a little fellowship in the back. Come back and meet someone. Shake their hand. Tell them that you love them. Don't forget now our Wednesday night service, teaching on the basic doctrines of Christ. Praise the Lord. I think this week is resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and the doctrine of laying on of hands. We may lay hands on everybody Wednesday night. Amen. Because there's a lot more to laying on hands than just, than just, for healing. Amen. I begin to think. I think in one of my journals I have listed all the people I'd get around preachers who had powerful anointings. I'd always tell them, "Lay hands on me." I man, I got I got all of them. You say, "Well, I needed all of them. I was a mess." Amen. I had Brother Shambot, of course, Brother Osteen, Brother Hagen, Teal Osborne, Oral Roberts. Dr. Sumrall, Dr. Sumrall, the first time he laid hands on me, he just said, be blessed. And so the next time I was in a green room with him, and Dr. Sumrall, he was kind of bold. I mean, he he had to know him. He was a tough drink of water. And so I'm back there in this green room, and I said, uh, Dr. Sumrall, I said, uh, you know, last time you were here, you just laid hands on me and said, be blessed. I said, that wasn't enough for me. He goes, huh? I said, that wasn't enough for me. I want you to pray over me. He was sitting in a chair. And he said, pull up a chair and I pulled up a chair and he came across and he just put his arm around me like that. And he began to pray the most powerful prayer that literally impacted my life. So listen, the doctrine of laying on of hands is so important when it comes to impartation. That's when a lot of these preachers are here. If they're laying hands on people, you get up there, you let them lay hands on you. Because it may not be healing, it may be wisdom that you need. maybe stir up something on the inside of you. It might be to impart something. You never know what God will do. But let me also say this. Don't go somewhere and let somebody lay hands on you you don't know. You say, "Why?" you get something bad. I I did that one time, and and I started struggling with something, and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's because you let that person lay hands on you, and you're spiritually sensitive, and that's why you're struggling with that right now. So I never let that person lay hands on me again. You say, why not? They had something in their life, and sure enough, it proved out to be true. So when we put people in the pulpit here, we make sure they're living right, doing right, living holy, walking upright, and fulfilling the call of God on their life. Amen. You love the Lord. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for a healed church. But Father, we thank you we could take that healing power to the world. Thank you that every person in here is a minister of healing. Everywhere they go, everything that they do. Thank you, Father, for our protection and safety as we declare it over ourselves this morning. Father, be with Breeland and Leah. And the other little young lady from the church that's on the on the trip to Japan, as they get on an airplane in just a few hours, thank you, Father, no evil befalls them. No plague comes nigh them. Give them a, a easy trip home. And, Father, we thank you that we, they return home, find nothing lacking, nothing missing, the blessing of God being upon them in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you in our travels and the labor of our hands. Thank you for your blessing, your increase, all that you're doing, that all we put our hand to prospers in Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave tonight, Let that anointing be upon us to touch hurting people. So many hurting people in this area. So many people need Jesus. So many people need what we have. Freely we've received. Freely we give. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you and love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining us today We trust that you enjoyed the podcast For service times and special events Visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone At 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith.